everybody, and welcome back to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. My name is Michael Livingston, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Andrew Mullen. That is correct. On the wide, the pause. <laughs> the anticipation. I think I just found out a brain fart. Gotta have the anticipation. Uh, hey, uh, we tried to record this episode last week. Didn't end up happening. So, but this topic can kind of go any different way we wanted it to be like kind of related to our festive halloween, themes halloween stuff yeah but uh, you got two awesome episodes for that are more halloweeny that you got the uh yes. the like kind of horror stories and music that's what i'm calling it i, th- I, th- I think i had to t- the, the title of the episode called strange tales and music i like that i like that better and um yeah and then of course you got horror punk horror right punk, after that and uh yeah i'm, I'm just happy you have no reason to call the spook check anymore. That, yeah, we are past that date uh, at the time of recording this. This will be out after Halloween. But hey, um, I enjoyed doing the festive episodes, especially the horror punk I one. I mean, haven't been back on. I'm really glad fun. you did. You know, I, I still think Halloween's a stupid holiday, but you know, <laughs> God, always with the pessimistic attitude. I, yeah, I, I hate most holidays, to be quite frank. <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? It, it, they were still fun to have. I especially liked their Strange Tales and music episode. That yes. was just this is a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. We should definitely we should try to do like something goofy like that next semester. I agree. I, I agree. Think, I think I think I, I think I told you I wanted to do what weird music genres. Yeah, that would just be. very obscure music. That that could go so many different ways because that w- weird music genres. What, how is do you so... define weird? Right. in music. That I mean because. No matter what genre we choose, I'm sure there's going to be someone so like, out there. This is my favorite genre. Exactly. This is the most legit thing. Exactly. You fucking poser. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so I we'll, we'll have to flesh that out a little bit more. But hey, before we start this episode, go over and follow us on Twitter at SCheckOfficial. Um, follow me on Twitter at Michael C. Live. Uh, Andrew Mullen for it because I didn't know how to make my own Twitter handle, yes, so it's just something I've, boring. And hey, uh, I haven't made any tweets yet, but still and shoot you me know what, you know, Michael, I think I'm going to have to set a rule here. <laughs> you cannot <laughs> plug your Twitter anymore until you actually start making content. Are you serious? I, I mean, like, what? I feel you're just hassling people to follow you for no reason, for I, nothing in return. How could you do that to, okay. our, to our great audience? Michael? I need a guide to Twitter from you then. Uh, uh, I, don't fucking look at me. I hate Twitter. But okay, I, I don't know how to do Twitter. I just retweet political shit that I get pissed off about. So I vaguely like wrestling crap. So. <laughs> so, so the key to Twitter is just retweeting, not making your own tweets. I mean, that's the way a lot of people do it. Okay, occasionally making your own comments. I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking. I, I don't know how to social media. <laughs> okay. Why are you looking at me? I'm I the last know. person to go to. But for social you're critiquing media, but. me, so I need some help. Well, here. I, I mean. I, I know as much you know that you need at least to be making content for okay. people to want to follow you. I think that's fair. I'm, I'm going to move away from this conversation. <laughs> that's and, a great idea. And go into uh, today's topic. Why don't you introduce the topic for today, actually? So, um, you for since we want, kind of wanted to make this a Halloween episode, but this just didn't, didn't end up working out. Yeah. But you said you wanted to do something like Black Sabbath. I've later. always wanted to do a Black Sabbath, and or like, and or something, something metal related. I should, I definitely wanted to do something heavy metal related because I feel like we don't talk about it enough on mm-hmm. this podcast. Um, I, I, I love the genre and I love Black Sabbath. But here's the thing, and I, and I've I've said this to you, I've said this to Elio, our old co-host. I never really felt super comfortable with just doing like a let's go to the discography of Black Sabbath right. or the Beatles or right. Radiohead. Like those right. are huge monster names where their, where their music has been mm-hmm. so overanalyzed over the years. It's like, yeah. 
there's hardly a it would really hardly be a point to like do that exactly but then i came up with an idea an awful terrible no good idea and yeah. i immediately regretted pitching it it it's was like, a halloween trick to ourselves because the real horror was how bad the music was um i said well the only way i well if you want to do a kind of a standard discography run through we could do that with black sabbath if and only if we just dis- we discuss the records no one talks about, mm. the ones no one really wants to talk about. Right. We're looking at what we're calling today Bad Sabbath. We're yes. looking at everything from their 1983 album Born Again till their 1996 album. Uh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Forbidden. Is it 1996? Forbidden is 95. 95. Well, close enough. Close enough. So, yeah, we're looking if. We're looking at those albums, and for a lot of you, you're like, I don't even know this. A lot of you might be thinking, I don't even know those records. I don't think I've ever heard of them. Yeah. And there's a fucking good reason. We're looking at like eight albums today, and there are Black Sabbath has 19 studio albums. Yeah. Under the name, which is insane to think about, because we people tend to think about the Aussie stuff, maybe the Dio stuff as well. Yeah. Maybe they'll think about 13. You know, but like people don't remember that they had a lot of albums. They made a lot of albums in. The, 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. just as active during the whole alternative metal and thrash metal yep. and hair metal scenes. And Definitely. There's a reason why you don't really hear about those very much. It's just strange that for every good Black Sabbath record, there's one on the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. that just totally bombs. And, um, well, I mean, not really, because we're actually going to try to find some redeeming qualities in there, some of these albums. Well, but... while these albums are, well, a lot of the albums we've talked about are widely heralded as pretty crap. Mm-hmm. We, at least between, at least between, it's between the two of us. I think we both found some diamonds in the rough yeah. here with this, with, with this part of the discography, but... We're definitely not talking about the cream of the crop, let's say, no. with Black Sabbath today. <laughs> definitely not. Um, I, I, and th- to do a Black a- Sabbath episode, is, is th- if this is what I got to do, I'll do it. Because I, I want to talk about uh, how I got into Black Sabbath Please real do. quick. Go ahead. Um, Black Sabbath is the first. I, I will definitely denote them as the first real rock and roll band I ever got into um, when I was just shown them by a friend of mine back in middle school who um, was in a band with his brothers and they would always play Paranoid. That would always be the song that they warmed up to. And I would watch them practice in their basement and I would always be like, what's the song you're warming up to? Like, is that something you wrote? And they're like, no, dude, it's Paranoid by Black Sabbath. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And uh, but he, he, and then he, they showed me the the, the record and the, the whole thing, the whole Paranoid record from to back and we just sat there and listened to it and from that point on I was hooked and I went back and listened to the first record I went forward and listened to volume four masters of reality sabbath bloody sabbath to this day um sabbath bloody sabbath is one of my favorite records of all time I and then um you know everyone talks about those early Aussie records as being the definitive black sabbath but I did eventually get into the Dio stuff and I found it on my own uh just heaven and hell, I guess, just came up in the shuffle. And at that point, like, I, d- I didn't know who Dio was. I didn't know his previous bands of Rainbow or his solo stuff or anything like that. So hearing that different voice and still seeing the Black Sabbath name on there, I was blown, still blown away. I was mm-hmm. blo- just as blown away as when I first heard Paranoid. And, uh, you know, the, the Ozzy and Dio stuff, I think, stand side by side in terms of musicality and just greatness oh, and legacy. 
you know, I, I guess there's also a bit of a story to how I got into Black Sabbath. Um, this is way, like, early on. Like, it was middle... I think it was actually, well, at the very end of middle school for me. when I Like, I was probably my the second half of eighth grade is when I was finally, like, started... Because before, I had really no interest in music, but... Mm-hmm. Now I was really finally starting to get into rock music, and yeah. um, but metal to me had kind of still kind of like a dirty word to it. It's like oh, it's all just screaming and yeah, yeah. you know, kind sure, of stuff. You sure. know, it's like I I didn't like uh, that wasn't like oh, you know, I was kind of afraid of it. I didn't really want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like one one year, I still loved hard rock. I still loved you know like again Guns N' Roses, ACDC were mm-hmm. two of my really mm-hmm. favorite bands. And um, one one of the ways I was discovering music it's like the, the the like the millennial equivalent of like uh you know like you know how like shuffling through your parents old like you know, right, CD, right, right. your record collection i would go to the song files of my dad's like, on our right. computer i looked through my dad's stuff and i came across paranoid yeah and, you know, paranoid was also in my introduction to black sap it's like wow this is really cool i love this riff it's a great hook and everything yeah and then i realized oh this is ozzy osborne isn't he a metal guy wait this is considered metal oh this is okay, good. and then I would go yeah. on to look at more Black Sabbath and the Metallica. I realized right, I, my, right. I stick up my ass, and I still and I love metal to this day. So I, I I certainly have to thank that song for getting me into metal. Mm-hmm. I love Sabbath, and then you and you mentioned the Dio stuff. Honestly, I I to this day I still probably actually kind of prefer Dio as his lead which singer, which is crazy to, to Ozzy. Me. I love yeah. Ozzy. Don't get me wrong, but I think he has not only the delivery, but not the same kind of delivery that Ozzy has. But he still has great delivery for a kind of darker band like Black Sabbath, but mm-hmm. also had the vocal range that Ozzy didn't. And first time I ever, like, because remember, for the longest while, you couldn't get, like, the Black, the Ozzy era of Black Sabbath stuff on iTunes and stuff right. like that, which is how I, early on, would learn about music. I learned about bands discography, mm-hmm. just looking mm-hmm. through, just, just browsing through iTunes. And I remember always seeing the song Heaven and Help at the top. It's like, Okay, fine. Like, I'll give this a shot. Maybe this is good. And then yeah. I one listen. It's like, why the fuck didn't I do this earlier? Like, <laughs> seriously, this is amazing. Right. It was so good. And then yeah, I fell in love with the, the Dio stuff as well. Yeah. So, but it's still crazy to think about like how long their career lasted yes. for, for after Dio and how much material that really is still not on iTunes, still not on streaming because yeah. it just didn't do well at the time, or people just don't even fucking want to bother with it. Right. You know? If you can, give me some context on what happened right after Dio left the band. Why did he leave the band, and then how did it transition uh, into... I don't exactly remember. Probably yeah. because he just didn't like... I, I mean, he and Iomi didn't get along. That was right. probably the main thing. I mean, he didn't like how the band was run. I, I remember uh, listening to some... Watching some interviews about him about it on YouTube with them, and yeah, he just didn't really like how it was being run. He probably didn't agree with the direction it was mm-hmm. going. Um I know, like the first song, like the first song on the first Dio record, um, not the black, like his his own band Dio, yeah. uh, Stand Up and Shout. It's wait, first of all, a great fucking song, and also the lyrics are just essentially just one giant middle finger to uh, Tony Iommi, yeah, and the band, and how I was almost kind of like a dictatorship in a way. I know. Would you say Iommi at that point was trying to becoming a control freak? I mean, he probably. I mean, I don't really know okay. that well, but like, it wouldn't surprise me because I know Ward had probably. I'd also kind of like. I think he wasn't on Mob Rules. I don't think no. so. Probably there was something to that him being the idea of him being a control freak. So, um, but yeah, he he left after you know the release of like Mob Rules and the li- and Live Evil as yeah. well. Um, and then you get. Our first album, the first album that we're gonna this. dive into. We're gonna, yeah. we're now officially gonna start talking about bad Sabbath. Yeah, talk about 
Honestly, probably one of the worst Sabbath records. This is not only the worst Black Sabbath records, but one of the worst records I've ever heard in my okay. entire life. Jesus, 1983's a... Born Again yeah. with uh, Deep Purple singer Ian Gilligan yeah. taking the front yes. on this one. Which is interesting. On paper, that's not the worst idea ever. No, because, I mean, not at all. Deep Purple was kind of, uh, you could argue it was kind of a proto-metal band in mm-hmm. a way. Kind of alongside with you know Zeppelin and... Uh, those early heavy rock bands. Yeah. You know, not as quite as heavy, of course, as Black Sabbath was when they first started. But, you know, something's attuned to that. Mm-hmm. In execution, oh. Yeah. I love Ian Gillen to bits and pieces. I think he's a very talented musician. I even, don't, I even think he's kind of a decent lyricist. I mm-hmm. think he's a great, has a great voice. He 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 will tell you. Iomi will tell you. Pretty much everyone involved with this project will tell you. <laughs> He was not a good fit for Black no. Sabbath. No. Uh, lyrically, I think this album is the most trash I've ever heard. Oh, speaking of our har, first, har, har, har. speaking of our first song on the album here, trashed. Trash. Uh, it's just it's the lead single too. Just the stupid lyrical themes, boring, uh, structured. Um, yeah. The only thing I really got from this was a nice fuzzy guitar tone I got on a solo. Uh, but uh, other... the solo, the, technically, a solo was good, and yeah. something you will find throughout. Majority of these records we talked right. about do pretty much a lot of the, like the lone bright spots are just Iomi's actual guitar playing. Right, but the actual tone of the guitar on the Ooh. verses is off. It's something else, and pretty much on trash in the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck are the riffs? Yeah, Iomi's the god of the metal riff, and you get like except for maybe one song, there are no memorable riffs whatsoever. On yeah, and then on top of that, um, when you get a uh, like transition track, like a uh, ambient uh, kind yeah. of like it, it. You know, it's gonna be an, a bad album when that's the second track is filler <laughs> music. It's just like okay, that just already hit me as a bad sign. And then you got like disturbing the priest, which kind of had a cool sound effects in the production, but yeah. anything else was just kind of like really bad and just with Ian Gilligan's voice it just did not fit he's just shrieking Mm -hmm. these horrid shrieks like again like he is to me when I was listening to this the whole time I'm thinking he is trying way too hard to try to fit in with the heavier more demonic sounds of Black Sabbath right he's just getting it all wrong yeah just boring disorganized on the title on the title track that Born Again is kind of a ballad, right? That comes towards the end of the album. I suppose. It's a poor excuse for a ballad. Yeah. Just repetitive licks. Uh, almost sounds like it's out of time at times. Yeah, th- th- this this whole record is ugly. Mm-hmm. Everything, the mixing is atrocious. The guitar tones sound muddy and terrible. Um, and I don't... The, 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 the riffs are bad. Yeah, I know you don't like the term product of its time, but it to to me uh, this this is this isn't a product of its time. This is a product of fucking insanity. <laughs> like I mean, this isn't this isn't like dated. It's just it's like just, yeah. It sounded bad at the time. But I could I, I could it. hear the eighties in it. Is what I'm trying to say. I and suppose. it's and it's the it's like going back to the our hair metal episode. It's like those bands that you wouldn't let me talk about that were still kind of in there, but that you didn't want me to listen to. That's what this reminded me of. Just I, just something you should never listen to or have the the. I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, like even the even the 
album cover is hideous. <laughs> yeah, it is. Just it's horror. Scre- it's like this devil baby. Yeah, this screaming terrible. devil baby this on it. Ho- this is just terrible, like, color mashups, too. Yeah. Just ugly. So you'd think from there, it can't get any worse. Uh, Does it get better on 7th Star, which well, is the well, 1986 I, 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 I want to make a couple more things about okay. Born Again. I promise I'll make this short. But okay. Like, well, obviously, the funniest thing about this record to me was just the background and how it was recorded. Yeah, <laughs> Because right. apparently, like, first of all, I think the only reason Gillen got on here is, like, because I think, like, I think some record producers were, like, really trying to, like, hey, suggesting, hey, you should really bring Gillen on for this. Yeah. And, like, Diamond was like, ah, I don't think that'd be a good fit. Mm-hmm. I think he was only convinced when he was, like, super wasted, and then he was, like, approached by it, and he's like, oh, sure, why not? We'll try it. Yeah. And apparently Gillen slept in like a tent like outside the recording studio <laughs> yeah doing this whole thing he got like in a car accident which is how trash became a thing yeah the lyrics it's just ridiculous like apparently like ward was proud of the drum work that he did on this record um gillen said he had fun recording it but like and that's what it is right we were talking about this earlier it probably was really fun for them to make this record but it's not fun for, for people us. to listen to no, the, the 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 outcome was not and you know there's a reason why it's the only record gillen ever performed on yeah so there there is a gap between seven star the next record the record that preceded this yeah. and born again um yeah that's a um and already by then it was only iomi yeah, that's a three-year gap that we're getting now between yeah. these two. And the next one, we kind of identified as a glorified Iomi solo record, so, right? Yeah, again, Ward, by the way, Ward again, and this is really sad, was the last Black Sabbath record Ward ever played on. Yeah, which is really that's sad. That's really sad. Deezer had left by then, obviously. Dio wasn't just doing his, Dio and Ozzy were doing their thing, so they sure as hell weren't coming back. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of Iomi. And yeah, he went into Seven Star, and the thing about that was, and this is a, a theme you're gonna hear through pretty much the rest of the episode. The label was kind of screwing him over in the sense that, mm-hmm. like you said, it's a it's just Iomi. It's kind of like the situation with Guns N' Roses and you know, and Smashing Pumpkins later on. It was just Corgan and Axel right. doing their thing, but unlike them, credit to Iomi, he knew that he couldn't she couldn't get away with calling this Black Sabbath because right. it's just him. But the label, persistently throughout like, every every album, where he was like, "Hey, maybe we should just call this. We should call this a Black Sabbath record." Like, no, you're gonna call this Black Sabbath. Right. They kept screwing them over, and I think that ultimately what harmed their reputa- re- reputation for a lot of these mm-hmm. albums because mm-hmm. no one cared about it. Because when you just have Iomi without any original vocalists or any other members. Just kind of appears like discount Black Sabbath. I know. And no and one wants to listen to discount Black Sabbath. Speaking of discount, when you get the bassist of Deep Purple to sing for you, Glenn Hughes, <laughs> it's it. That's how you know you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for, yeah. for some talent. Also, by the way, we're not going to talk about every lineup change that happens from this point yeah. on because after Born Again, we'd be here for ages yeah. trying to t- cover everyone because it just even they couldn't even keep a front man no. like a solid front man going it was just constant cycling through members mm-hmm. but like you said uh, Warmer uh, Deep Purple bassist Glenn Hughes performance on this yeah they get this one was better. It was this, a step up. It was up. better. I was expecting another dumpster fire because mm-hmm. I wasn't really familiar with a lot of these going in here. Um, so I was like, all I ever was like, born again, terrible, seven star, terrible. I was expecting a dumpster fire here, but this was actually compared to the other one, pretty competent and mm-hmm. actually somewhat pleasant to listen to. You, 
I mean, yeah, the the guitar work was definitely a, a step up, but a little lackluster just because I feel like Iomi at the time had to deal with so many different components of running a band. It wasn't just yeah. it, it was his project at this point, yeah. right? So a lot of the guitar work just sounds lackluster and needed some sort of uh, extra sparkle in it. Um, still, it not the worst thing I've ever heard in my no. life. Vocals wise was just very lazy um you although m- although by the end of the record i think he was glenn hughes was pulling out decent vocal mm-hmm. performances i and yeah, pretty powerful ones and i thought you know what okay he's not he's he's actually he's doing better than what i would have figured you mentioned that uh with ian gilligan he tried way too hard but with glenn it's hughes Gillen, he, not gilligan it's not sorry. gilligan's island <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's I fine just wanted to correct you but Go with glenn, you said glenn hughes just doesn't try enough right that's kind of i, I, I suppose like made. he that's one way to put it. I, I, to me, like, Gillen was trying way too hard on mm-hmm. his album. Here, with Glenn's vocals, and honestly, like, many aspects of the record, it feels too reserved, especially when you compare it to Born Again. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not even, like, really heavy. It's hard. You can't call it a metal record. It's kind of a more of a slightly heavy blues rock album. Yeah. It's weird putting the Sabbath name on this. And, Definitely. you know, I think probably one of the reasons why it wasn't didn't do very well at the time is because, oh, this this doesn't sound like Sabbath. Yeah. If I was to point to a couple songs that I particularly liked, I like Turn to Stone. It had this great, like, descending gallop to mm. it. Um, oh, yeah. Still not, still not a really good fleshed out idea. Mm. Um, and then I did like the title track a lot. It's just some classic Iomi guitar work, but um, I, needs more variation. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, I, I liked, I kind of liked the, the last two tracks. I thought, I thought the, the album ended kind of strong yeah. to me. So, I'd give this like a six, maybe a five out of ten. Yeah, just definitely. Uh, it's very mediocre. Yeah, it, no, it, there's a reason why people don't really remember this. Not not as not as worse as it could have been. I'll, mm. I'll give it that. I, I, was, I was expecting a lot worse, and you know what? Again, I. It's funny though, because this record is what called like Black Sabbath, like featuring Tony Iommi or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Iommi wanted this to kind of be a solo project, but they kind of like shoehorned the Black Sabbath thing in there, and right. It's ridiculous, but you know, you're right. It's not as bad as it could have been. Then the next one, though, uh, which is Eternal Idol. So I think they cycled through quite a few more members. Yeah. Um, like uh, again, um, even a couple singers, and it, it was weird because at this point, like, it was kind of weird that this the Black Sabbath was just descending into madness because mm-hmm. they were scooping up anyone and everyone. Like, whenever they, I think at one point they, they got like the drummer from ELO when they needed a drummer. Right. Like, it just screams like desperation. They weren't, they didn't even care who came on. It's no. like, are you free? We need someone. Please come. Please right. come to us. Right. So, so, so this next record, you they're recruiting a brand new singer, fresh talent from LA, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a guy who's never been in like a successful band before. No. They just kind of found him on the streets and. <laughs> I, this is how I imagine it. They just found him like just outside of a bar and they're just, like, Can you sing? Yeah. All right. Well, come on. Tell you, I was just wandering to like freaking like Burning Man or like, yeah. the desert or something. He's like, It's high. It's like, it's like, it's like, he's like, walk through a desert. Yeah. And like a mirage comes up and then suddenly it's like, like the middle of an oasis and like Tony, Tony Martin comes forward. It's like, We have found a singer. Yes. And, and, and Tony Martin's not bad. He's uh, actually pretty good. Yeah. He's actually a pretty good vocalist and strong and, and strange enough, this is the weirdest thing to me. Unless you want to count Live Evil and the Heaven and Hell Project and Bible Black stuff that, that was done in the mid-2000s, 
He was on more black. Tony Martin was on more Black Sabbath records than Ronnie CM was. Yeah, which is weird. To it's think crazy, about. and it's crazy how his whole chapter is just erased from history, pretty much. In a way, yeah, because this is the only. Like, I'm looking at Spotify right now. This is Eternal Idol. There's five Tony Martin records, and Eternal Idol is the only record you can find on like yeah. iTunes and streaming. So this is coming out in 1987. Yeah. First impressions, um, right away with the the Shining. That was the first track on there. Okay. Um, I automatically got like a good um, like the, the descending arpeggios that Sabbath's known for. Yeah. No, no longer with just this repetitive like power chord riffs, yeah. which I which was a which was a great refresher. Um, but as I started to get further into the album, it just sort of uh, all faded together. You know, I th- that's the impression I had. To mm-hmm. me, this 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 album really wasn't very memorable to me. It was just very much just a boring standard kind of fantasy almost power metal-esque mm-hmm. style metal record it was kind of em- emulating a lot of the cheesier uh, al- elements of actual metal at the time yeah um i will say the song lost forever had a really nice pretty solid rhythm to it i liked i liked that one but mm-hmm. other than that there was i couldn't tell you much about this record like the synth sounded really thin on this to me at times it just kind of it's just kind of I don't want to say a straight nothing record, but it just really, I have no desire to go back listening to it. It was definitely not an explosive way to introduce this new singer, this new talent that you have, you know? And yeah, but, and which is kind of unfair because the next two records that on here, uh, Tear, and sorry, Headless Cross, then Tear. Yeah. I think we both kind of agree. We kind of enjoyed these records. Definitely. And I'm so glad you transitioned to those so quickly because I really wanted to talk about Headless Cross, the title track, because that is one of the most explosive Sabbath songs I've ever heard. That was really good. Yeah. And here, it, it, speaking on that song and the whole and that whole record, the guitar tone actually sounded good. Yes. It sounded heavy. This is how I would think Black Sabbath would sound like in the 1980s. Yes. And... I, I kind of had this uh, back and forth in my head about the title track because it was so reminiscent of D.O.A.R.S. The bass line, especially, mm-hmm. the that you'll get on Heaven and Hell, yeah. was pretty much ripped and put into this song. But it still had some uh, individuality to it, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. And, and to, like we had planned for today to actually skip over this episode and do Pumpkins, but I found myself going back to Headless Cross and listening to it in my really? free time. I really love the song. I, I know I really enjoyed it too. I, I didn't even think the synth sounded that bad on this record. It was actually it was still kind of cheesy by today's standards, but yeah. like it was a plus. It was actually kind of a pleasant addition to this. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this isn't this actually is terrible. The songwriting <laughs> quality just went from zero to a, a solid like set for it, me it was yeah the song ring is pretty good i mean i like devil and daughter i like um i think call of the wild is pretty good too and I, yeah you know I, there there were definitely some good stuff that you can find on here yeah. um it, it, and it's it's kind of a shame that you can't find this record on, on when death calls i'm not even a ballad guy but i can even admit that oh was that a was a pretty solid too. ballad you know when yeah that was a great song yeah thank you um but you yeah, know i i yeah, this was a solid record. But. Yeah, if if this would have been Black Sabbath's return to form, if they just kind of scrapped Eternal Idol, threw that to the side, and this would have been uh, Martin's introduction, I would have had so much hope. Or at the very least, since Geezer or Ward or anyone else still wasn't with the band, 
don't call this Black Sabbath because right. then you're going to think people think it's discount Black Sabbath. Honestly, if they even called this Tony Iommi and the Sabbaths, <laughs> it would have that still would have been more acceptable than just calling it Black Sabbath. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And because here's the thing, tour, like even even though we kind of agree this record's kind of somewhat of a in the next one too, it's kind of somewhat hid, hidden gems. Mm-hmm. No one cared. These no. albums did poorly. These albums, like I don't even think tier charted. No. I think I was. Was this on? you looking for you know yeah the, you know what this this was on irs records oh. this record was on irs records and Not even as Warner well Brothers as anymore tier and i think some of the other tony martin stuff too yeah irs has made produce some good bands and they have the best reputation for a record label i don't think they're around anymore i think they gave us an rem at the very least mm-hmm. which is a great legacy but like they're kind of like they weren't like an underground label, but they're kind of a gap between the major music labels of the right. time and like indie labels like Discord. They're kind right. of like that weird gap. Definitely. The fact that he had fallen so low to be recording stuff on there mm-hmm. says something. Yeah. These album sales did not do very well. They would like have to cancel tours because no one was going to them. Mm-hmm. It was a really sad state of affairs for the yeah. godfathers of metal. Especially especially with that second album that I'll touch on just briefly, Tear, um, spelt in like these Nordic glyphs. Yes. Um I think this is like honestly a spectacular record just because okay. uh I like I guess Tony Martin got the impression that like okay Black Sabbath it's all about Satan right I got to sing all about Satan on Headless Cross and okay. that's that's what's going to get me some good lyrical themes and then Iommi approached him and he's like you know that's not all we're about we're trying to we, you know we can put some creativity and into they these lyrics some of the best anti-war songs exactly exactly so <laughs> he completely out of left field Martin makes this kind of concept album based <laughs> off of Nordic mythology <laughs> and I just think it's so interesting it's, and so unique it, it's weird to think about. Like, does it, does does this make Black Sabbath the protogenitors of Nordic and yeah, Viking like Viking metal? metal? I know it's crazy. It's weird. And here's the I, I you I, I can see why you really like this record. I it's a little too the whole Nordic themes are a little too cheesy to me. Like, I'm I'm not gonna call this a straight up hidden gem for me personally. But yeah. Again, I I like Headless Cross. I found myself rather enjoying this. Record. I I definitely preferred Headless Cross instrumentally to Tear, but I'm just giving Tear. All the creativity points when okay. it comes to that. Just I, I that came out of completely left field for yeah. me, and it works. I think with the, law, Black Sabbath I the lawmaker being really good. The second track on there, yeah, really good, definitely. Um, was was there a song that you particularly enjoyed off this record? Uh, the lawmaker was definitely one as well. I enjoyed uh, the Sabbath Stones. I think that was so cool. Um, I um, liked what other uh valhalla yeah valhalla was good um the one i actually didn't like was the single which is uh feels good to to be me that was a single feels good to me yeah that was the single probably didn't chart that's probably why i don't definitely not And, and it just it's it's like it's going back to like born again era lyrical themes but it's like it's putting it in this nordic like concept record and it was just like scrap that would have been a great perfect record to uh, me but okay <laughs> yeah um jerusalem oh, sure. was good too i love that one something else i think i found this more on had this cross and tear but like something mm-hmm. else quickly touching back in tony martin's voice yeah he sounds a lot like dio yes yeah. a lot, not quite doesn't have the same kind of del- snarly delivery that dio can have mm-hmm. so he's not he's kind of discount ronnie james dio but like he's still good he still yeah. sounds good on these records let's so. let two more Speaking, left well, speaking of Dawn, I want to make this quick oh, diversion. Sure. Yep. I won't spend too long on this, but speaking of Dio, 
a lot of people, I think it feels like some people tend to forget, unless you want to count the Bible black and the heaven and hell stuff what, later on. If we're talking about in-name Black Sabbath records, mm-hmm. people tend to forget there is a third Ryan James Dio record. It actually came out in 1992 called Dehumanizer. It kind of had some, like, like technology, evil technology themes with it. Yeah. It's actually not bad. I actually kind of enjoy this. Probably my favorite record that I listened to for this entire episode. Well, yeah, because I, it's Dio. I love Ryan James Dio. I'm not of a mark for him. Did you listen? end up listening to this? I never end up listening. Okay. I wanted you to have the floor for this conversation. So it really, first of all, Iomi, I feel like Iomi can kind of be a dick at times because he was around this time where I think like Geezer kind of like did a, like a performance with like uh, Ryan James Dio on stage. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, do you want to get back? Do you want to get back in Black Sabbath? And Ryan was like, sure. Yeah. And when Iomi heard this, he immediately fired everyone else in the band. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to sell tickets again. Almost in a way. Wow. It's like, which is kind of a dick move because yeah. like these, these are the people that have been like, granted, they've never had a huge staple of lineup. But Tony mm-hmm. Martin was like, just did your last, did the last three records with you. They're actually trying to help you. Yeah. When no one cares about this band at this point. You just toss them aside. Yeah. So you can get the bigger names. That's kind of mean. I mean, yeah. But, but at the same time, I don't know if there's, other than like some mixing at some points, like at some points, like especially the first song, like the, the like the drums were way too freaking loud. Mm-hmm. But like, I thought this was a really solid record. Obviously not as good as The Mob Rules or Heaven and Hell, but like mm-hmm. this is still a really good record. Um, TV Crimes is a great single. Uh, Buried Alive, Live is good too. Um, Mass is insane. There's just, there's some really it's a really solid record. Again, yeah. if there's any record, if there's any record in full, you should go listen to. For me personally, you should definitely go listen to Dehumanize. Who you never have. And it's Dio. And TV Crimes even did get to like they had a music video and even did even chart for them. So wow. there was some a brief moment of success. Maybe Black Sabbath would finally come out of the ashes. Yeah. And then. Yeah, Dio didn't want to. Brian James Dio didn't want to open up for Ozzy Osbourne, and then he kind of quit the band. In right. a famous moment that actually in metal that happened, when Ronnie James Dio quit, he quit like before, right before a show. Yeah. So you want to know who filled in for him? Who? Rob Halford. Oh wow. Which, which you can find footage on YouTube. However, it's complete and utter shit. Yeah. Like, it, it does. It's old VHS footage. It sounds crap, which is a shame because I really want to hear him performing on Heaven and Hell. Yeah. Um, he actually did do that like later on in 2004 when Ozzy couldn't perform, but that's all Ozzy's stuff. So. Okay. Uh, but no, it's just it's just a little weird, interesting blip in Black Sabbath's career when he had Brian James Dio come back in and whatnot. But when he left, uh, Geezer was still around for the next record, Cross Purposes, which brought back Tony Martin, if we want to talk about this. Yeah, very quickly, because this, out of all the records we've listed so far, is the most Passover record I've ever heard in my life. I, I would... This came out... In, I would say more so with Seven Star. But. This came out in 94, um, and you're getting, to, like you said, you get Tony Martin back, and you can tell they were trying to put together a Black Sabbath record, just from the... the, the so reminiscent of yeah, Heaven and Hell. just from the, the album cover. cover. Yeah, it's just the flaming angel kind of thing, and it's mm-hmm. like, you can tell they're trying to put together a Black Sabbath record, but everything that makes Black Sabbath so good, like the bass is just completely gone. I can't hear any yeah. bass on, in this entire album. And the riffs are very, like, lackluster and sort of lazy. And mm-hmm. the the vocal performance from Martin was just, like, tired. and Not really, as good as what you got before. No, definitely not. And it's just, it it came together as just something lazy, just something to put out so they can still keep their name out there. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. And, uh, you know... Yeah, I can see that. I mean, this is kind of a Passover record. I would say more so with Seven Star. Mm-hmm. That was a little more Passover for me. But Was there anything redeeming on this one for you? I, I mean, 
th- that it was again. It was just kind of like the fact that it wasn't god awful. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of like a mediocre, mediocre record for me. There wasn't like a whole lot that stood out to me. Like, I mean, Evil Eye was actually co-written by Eddie Van Halen, hmm. his final song. So that okay. was kind of nice. Other than that, no, there wasn't really a whole lot. Um, and actually, this actually made Geezer leave the band after again because he didn't like the direction that it was going. Oh well, yeah, it's... although. I think I think actually with this one, and I want to say for the next, the last record we're talking about, mm-hmm. again, Tony said, can we not call this Black Sabbath? Mm-hmm. I can we just call this anything else? And they're like, no. Lecter is like, no, we're going to call this Black Sabbath because for some reason, even though the past umpteen, like however many years before, yeah. despite what that showed, they figured that was still the best course of action to make the cell wall, even though that was clearly not the case. Absolutely, it, it just it came together as just a very boring project for me, and and definitely something I will never go back to. No. It, it it just kind of like I I wanted to fall asleep while listening to it. To be quite honest with hmm. you, this but <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about this oh, last geez. one. So this is the infamous. This is this the this is this is the infamous Black Sabbath record, or should we say? Rap Sabbath record, for, or should we say the forbidden Black Sabbath? Record. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's there's a lot of bad puns we can make here. It's the 18th, the 18th studio record from Black Sabbath, the final studio record from them, unless you want to count uh, the Bible Black stuff, and uh, until 13. Yeah, forbidden. Yes, 1995. We're getting this, oh, and who produces this so, record? Chuck D from the band Body Count yes. produced this because they were a huge metal. They they were a popular metal band at the time. You have respect for Body Count. I I, I like especially nowadays. My, Body Count has a lot of great musical chops nowadays. Nice T, who who by the way fronts Body Count. That's the that's the big draw for Body Count. Mm-hmm. He's not an amazing singer by any stretch of the means, but he, he fits it fine enough. Uh, really, a, a, a large part of the uh, the Body Count's fame fame claim to fame at this time was. The, the, the controversies to their song Cop Killer. Right. We'll just leave it there for right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, a lot of people weren't really happy with that one. But um, here's the, they were just very, if you listen to those old body count records, they're very raw, very almost lo fi. Mm-hmm. Hardly count as metal. They were just that lo fi. Um, and, you know, they, they weren't like the spectacular musicians at the time. You know, they, they could do some, Chuck T could do some decent shredding, but they mm-hmm. weren't amazing. But also, since, since they were popular, yeah. they decided to not only have Chuck D produce this record, which turned out to be a really big mistake. Yeah. Um, they also decided to have a guest appearance from one Mr. Ice-T themselves on the first song. What was it called? Illusion uh, of Power. The Illusion of Power. But you, you made this record out to be literally rap, rap sound. That's because that's why because granted, I, I, I will I will fully admit Michael, I'd never listened to this record before because yeah. I heard the term rap sap. It's like <laughs> Yeah. Never yeah. listen to this. And then I would. But it turned really, out he was only on one track. He was only. I was not only was he on like I. I knew it was only one track. I didn't know that. That was my bad. But like not only was he on one track, he didn't rap. He just did like 18 seconds of spoken word. Yeah. I, I, right. Even like the bad aspects of this record, the infamous parts were underwhelming. That's all disappointing. Disappointing and garbage. If, if you'll allow me though, just let me tear into this record. <laughs> Because this this is really close to the level of garbage that I got from Born Again. Oh, this record's worse than Born Again. Just and 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 most of it for this time is in terms of production. It is awful. Yeah, like Chuck D did not do a very good job here. No, and you're going back to the shitty lyrical themes that you get on Born Again with songs like Get a Grip. Um, what is this Aerosmith? Like, I know. That's, an Aeros- that's the name of an Aerosmith album. What right. Can't get can't get 
Can't get close enough. Okay, sure. That's, okay, um, plus it's bad company. <laughs> guilty as hell. No, no, actually, no. I actually did like Guilty as Hell. Really? Only for the riff. The okay. riff was pretty solid because it actually, oh, it sounds like an old school Aussie era Black Sabbath riff. And, mm. not, and the guitar tone actually sounds decent on this. I mean, that's the only part of the song that's good. Yeah. But actually, I found myself enjoying it because, wow, that riff is actually pretty good. The, the, the next one, actually, for me, it was the kind of redeemable one, Rusty Angels. Somehow had the best guitar work for me, but still ended up being the worst song of of the album just for those lyrics. Just absolutely atrocious yeah. lyrics. Um, I... I wanted to die while listening to this. <laughs> this is often regarded as the worst Black Sabbath record. Yeah. And for good reason. I would I, I think I agree with that. It's at least Born Again, at least had like I mean here's well, you know, actually no, here's the thing. Born Again, both this and Born Again has have one song that can look at. It's like, okay, that's okay, because there's mm-hmm. a decent riff or an idea behind there. Other than that though, I mean like yeah, like it, it just depends. Like Depends on like what you what's more egregious, the awful singing of Ian Gillen or just the terrible production work of Chuck D. Yeah. Like which you might think is work. Really? Personally, I'm gonna go with Forbidden as the worst Black Sabbath record. Yeah. It's it's so bad. I, I you know it's what? It's so bad. I, I'm gonna give it to them for having you know, taking the ambitious choice of having Ice T guest they, they on the They were record. trying to get someone that was relevant at the time, which right. I can give it that. But the reason I'll say this one's worse, because the, the the lyrics are bad in both records. Yeah. But here's the thing, Ian Gillen was shrieking so much I could barely understand the lyrics. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. I can actually understand. I can hear the lyrics together. <laughs> that makes rip. sense. That makes so, perfect sense. Like I can hear how much worse they are. Yeah. Than this. So, <laughs> either way, man, just a a horrible just train wreck of an ending to this discography for so many years yeah. afterwards for and nearly 20 years afterwards yeah and let, thank god 13 came around and yeah. a lot of people don't think it's the best thing ever but i know we both kind of do we both enjoy that record and yeah it's certainly a far 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 better end to their discography yes than this yes pile of garbage it, I, it, and now i guess let's let's answer this question does 13 forgive this whole era of black sabbath I is mean, it that good of a well, record? But, well, no, I think the bigger question is, is is there much to really forgive in this era? Mm-hmm. Because, well, granted, yes, we, we I think we both agree Born Again and Forbidden are train wrecks. They're yeah. just horrid. But, I mean, Seventh Star was passable. I mean, Seventh Star cross-purposes aren't bad. They're just more or less passable. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff, I think we both found ourselves rather enjoying a lot of those records. <laughs> Two or three, yeah. You know, like... I was expecting just eight albums worth of just hot, steaming dumpster fires. Yes. And really only like two, two of the two of them really lived up to that name, mm. lived up to that reputation. The rest were either kind of mediocre or had some enjoyable factors. So yeah. it was actually, I'm actually kind of glad I did this because I realized, oh, there's actually, there are some redeeming aspects. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say we found like, super hidden gems within this yeah for me personally but there are there are songs there are even some albums that like to me it's like okay these are actually you know worth revisiting yeah i you know a lot of it i'll agree with you i i am happy that i got to you know have this opportunity to look at this such hidden part of their discography Mm -hmm. uh and i'll agree with you i don't think we they're hidden gems not the word I would use, but with with albums like Cross uh, 
or sorry, mm-hmm. Headless Cross. Headless, yeah. And um Tier. and Tier and even some of the stuff off Seventh Star and even some of the stuff uh like uh, like a song or two off Cross Purposes. Like I'm glad I got to listen to it. I'm glad I got the opportunity to listen yeah. to it. Uh horrible start, horrible end. <laughs> um maybe if those two records were cut away maybe everything would have gotten shifted onto Spotify and everyone would have maybe Well, well here's the thing. Uh, Born Again is on Spotify. Right. It's remastered too, which but I don't know who stuff. thought that was worth remastering. <laughs> and also, even when it's remastered, it still sounds like absolute trash. Absolutely, yeah. Which is, but like, no, I think, I think for me, like if if, if they're going to have freaking Born Again on there, they should get Tear and yes. Headless Cross yes. on there. Okay? I, it, I mean, garbage like Metal Machine Music... In in Lulu, I'm the line picking on Lou Reed guys yeah. because we were talking about him earlier. <laughs> but like that crap is on Spotify. Yeah. Why the hell isn't this? Yeah. Like 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 cross purposes in here. I think should should I think there were I think those records are worth remastering far more than Born Again is. So the purpose of this podcast is shout you know we're shouting out Spotify. You best put those records on. Yeah. There. Also <laughs> put into the unknown by Bad Religion on Spotify. You pricks. <laughs> All right. Recommend- Although I don't think that's really Spotify's call. Yeah. All right. Well, there it is. There's there's your guide to bad, bad Sabbath. Sabbath. Although we didn't we talk about the last two Aussie records, which are also some people would also lump in there. But eh. hey, whatever. You know what? We can't eight albums is too much, anyways. Yeah. Recommendation time. Recommendations. All right. You go first, please. Yes, I actually have recommendations this week, and uh, I discovered a awesome french band french uh kind of noise uh post uh punk band called this is a little complicated to say it's called lysistrata all right and it may sound weird when you first hear it but this band just came out with a record called breathe in out breathe in slash out just last week uh no they're (laughs) at least a thousand times better than bush (laughs) but this this album is I, I I almost got the same sort of uh, euphoric discovery feeling as when I got uh, Black Media under my belt. This is a great, great album. Um, you are going to love this when you first hear it. Such high energy, such darkness, chaoticness. Um, their first two tracks on this called Different Creatures and Death by Embarrassment, two of the best rock songs I've heard this year. Mm-hmm. Um definitely give this band a try um there's a great live performance of kind of the release party for this album on youtube great live performance such high energy performance definitely recommend checking out that youtube video but at the very least give this album a listen that's my recommendation oh interesting so uh what i'm gonna recommend uh is on the complete opposite end of the energy scale okay funny enough i'm i'm interested i'm gonna introduce the more melancholy cooler stuff today um I don't know how you would describe this band. I don't know what genre they would fall under. Um, they also have one of the stupidest band names I've ever heard in my entire life. What is it? Uh, I Like Trains. It's based <laughs> off the okay. Death movies. Because that's when they were first starting. No way. Like, well, that's why I figured. Because they, well, well, their first like releases would have been like, in like 2007. That's and crazy. So, like, I, I mean, granted, they have like... 3,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. So I have there's no I have no reference to base because there's no interviews with them. So I have okay. no reference to base it off of other than the fact that the timing would have lined up mm-hmm. and where else would have gotten the name I like trains from. Right. But yeah, the the name is stupid and goofy, but the music does not reflect that whatsoever. Okay. This is some really dark, moody, melancholy kind of, you know, 
slightly ambient sounding, oh. you know, rock music. I don't know. I don't know how you would describe it. Um, okay. There's just there's just definitely a lot of just like uncomfortable feelings with it. Um, yeah. Send it to me. I, 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 will, I will, I'm not doing a great job of describing it. Also, there's like I've seen like 20 different ways how this band name is uh, spelled out. Like on Spotify, it's all caps, three words. I've seen it where it's like all caps, one word. Hmm. I've also seen it where like they 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 they'll like capitalize some letters and like lowercase other letters. Okay, it's all one word. I don't know how I don't know how you're supposed to spell this name out. Just know if you if you're looking for this band, you have to look for albums. Progress Reform. Elegies to, to lessons learnt, um, a divorce before marriage. Um, the, the, if you if you see releases attached to that name, you found the right band. Um, definitely really liked Elegies to Lessons Learned. That was two thousand seven, according to Spotify. Really liked the Deception. Um, I'm uh, we all go hunting is great. Okay. Um, really, Death and Death of an Idealist is also really good. Um, really, really. St- Really interesting stuff. Um, it's kind of a, a, a sound I'm starting to explore a little more. This darker ambient stuff, you know. It's, uh, um, I think it's really cool. Yeah, um, definitely. It's weird that uh, we kind of switch spots in terms of en- the energy level. Normally, I'm like, music. like punk rock. No, 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 right. no. Right, like, and I'm usually I'm presenting the kind of indie, kind the, of lower stuff. I, w- I definitely wouldn't call this indie. It's 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 borderline kind of like really almost maybe ambient metal is the term. That's cool. But like it's that's I wouldn't call this heavy. It's like ambient, yeah. dark, hard rock. I, don't I like it. Though. I like it. I, I'm we'll, I'm doing a really poor job we'll trying to swap. explain it. We'll swap the recommendations for this week. There we go. It's hey. like the millennial CD trade. <laughs> what are we talking about next week, Michael? Uh, next week we are talking about one of my f- the first bands I ever got into. First '90s bands I ever got into. Got into this Black band. Black Sabbath was a '90s band though. Technically, that's what we do, that's what we learned today. <laughs> but '90s band. Not a good but one. I actually got into but this band. Are. Before Nirvana. Um, yes, the Smashing Pumpkins, oh, one of my favorites. I saw them over the summer, and it just kind of reawakened my uh, my love for this band. So really excited to be going and doing a deep dive on their discography, Talking just the, the essential albums. Talking about sub. And this can be a little more of a deep dive for me because, well, I'll talk more about it about next week, but um, never really had a chance to, to, to explore Smashing Pumpkins for reasons, again, I'll talk about next week. But. Yes, we'll talk about Stash and Pumpkins and Billy Corgan and how he owns NWA Wrestling. And that that that, that bombshell. Good night. Good night. Good night.